Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good Saturday morning to you. It is Drive Time Radio here in the city of Seattle. New York Vinny hanging out with you. On this Saturday morning on Drive Time, that's the name of the show. We're here every week at 8, 8 to 9 o'clock on Saturday mornings talking about cars, giving you advice on cars, just generally having a good time. You know, that's what we're here to do for now. I have a good time, talk about stuff. We always we talk cars, but sometimes we go off into tangents too. But uh, we're chock full of loaded here this morning with car stuff as uh, we have – an excellent, excellent show planned for you. I hope you're having a good morning and hope uh, if you're joining us uh, here on the air or that you are maybe on Facebook watching us uh, as well as we're going live on Facebook today as well for the first time, seeing how that works out as well. As I said, an action-packed show for you tonight. we got our top five coming up in just a couple of minutes. We will spend some time uh, talking to Jamie Page Deaton. She is from U.S. News and World Reports. And uh, we're going to talk about the L.A. Auto Show, which uh, is on now. But Automobility, which is the press portion of that show, has taken place already. It's wrapped up yesterday. And lots of controversy from the start right up until the finish. A lot of controversy down there. A lot of other things going on, too, but a show that I think proves auto shows are alive and well. There are a lot of people saying, well, you know, maybe these things are dying. Maybe it's not the right place. Maybe this, maybe that. But according to people I've spoken to that were at the L.A. Auto Show, we will um, we will find, I believe, that the auto shows are alive and well. But we'll check in with Jamie Page Deaton. She was out on the floor, and she can tell us everything, including what she thought of that. Tesla pickup truck. I don't know if you've seen pictures of that. If you go to Drive Time um, on Facebook, Drive Time Radio and Television, you'll see it there. I, I, I'm still trying to figure out if I like it or I don't like it. It hits me in different ways at different times. We'll also review uh, the BMW M850i. Oh, what a car, what a car, what a car. Oh, what a beautiful car this was. Another one in our series of cars that you don't want to give back if you're a reviewer. So that's what we got planned for you. Let's get into the top five. Time now for this week's top five. The five things you need to know about cars and car culture this week. All right, here we go. Top five things you got to know. First of all, you got to know about the L.A. Auto Show, uh, the Ford Mustang. We've talked about it uh, from time to time. Mustang was coming out with an SUV, and they showed it off last Sunday night, the Mustang Mach-E. Not, and an E doesn't stand for Escort, or I've seen somebody else uh, saying that it stood for, um, what it should be, oh, Galaxy. Uh, no, but it's a Mustang SUV, and let me tell you something. The Mustang community is in an uproar about this thing, this car. It is, um, it's not a Mustang, but it is a Mustang. It is a Mustang front, a Mustang back, and a, an SUV middle to it. It's all electric. It have, should have 300 miles of range, all-wheel drive, and reports are that the performance versions are going to be off the charts. So... If you separate the car from 
the name, uh, you're going to have something. And, and I read an interesting uh, thing this morning that said if you separated the car from the name, uh, that nobody would care about the car. But because they put Mustang on this car, that nameplate, that badge, that people are interested in it, that people are talking about it. And, man, the, the automotive community has been talking about it this week. I mean, it was all over the L.A. Auto Show. A lot of people think it was the hit of the auto show, but everybody was jumping up and down about them naming uh, this car Mustang. And uh, I, 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 didn't, I ranted on it a bit, but the reality is, is that they want to keep that nameplate alive, and that's what they're going to do to do it. They're going to get people who are interested in Mustangs, interested in SUVs. All right, number two, we have Uber. That's right, because we don't only talk about cars, we talk about mobility. Uber wants to record you when you get in their car. Audio record you, not just the camera that the guy may have uh, the driver may have up on the thing there, but they want to audio record you. So everything you say in that car will be recorded. And I don't know if it's going to be held by Uber or not, but uh, boy, I'll tell you, I'm uh, I'm a little leery about that. I, I, you know, I'm not a big uh, you know record me uh, cameras all over the place kind of person anyway, and I don't know that audio recording people. Uh, is going to stop. I mean, if you're video recording them, it's one thing, but then you know that the camera regenerates it. If you don't need it, it erases it, it goes on. Uh, an audio recording takes you to a whole different level. Are they going to be able, are the police going to be able to get those recordings? If, if, uh, and why? Suppose they think somebody, uh, are your conversations not private? If you get in a car, and there's an audio recorder in there. Uber, will, will you now have them in taxis? Will you now have them? And also, will it stop people? Now, one of my things about Uber is that people take it, and Lyft, of course. Uh, people take those ride-selling um, services. I don't call them ride-sharing because it's not a ride-share. It's a ride-selling service. Um, people take those cars, and when they're drunk, when they're high, you know, they, they don't want to... They don't want to get in their car and drive. It's a great thing. Now, if you're drunk or if you're high, are you going to now, oh, well, you know, I'm going to drive because I don't want to get recorded. I don't want to have a conversation with this person. We're going to talk about doing this, talk about doing that. Maybe I don't want to take an Uber. Maybe I'll just drive my car. You see see what I mean? I mean, it, it brings up just a whole lot of questions to me. And I would be very interested, you go to my Facebook page at NY Vinny, I'd be very interested in what you think about it as well, because it, I think it's a massive invasion of privacy. All right, the number three is the Tesla pickup. You know, they started the show, the LA Auto Show, with the Mustang, and that created a lot of controversy, and nobody really thought how much controversy, about how much controversy that the Tesla pickup was going to uh, bring about to all of the assembled uh, glitterati and glitterati that were down there to look at that thing. Uh, An interesting and funny moment for Elon Musk and uh, the people that run Tesla. The truck, which I don't know if you've seen pictures of it. There's a picture at my Facebook page. I don't know if you've seen the truck, but it it looks kind of like something out of Star Wars, out of... uh, 
road warrior, you know, a futuristic movie. It's very unorthodox, very different. It's, um, but it's also bulletproof. Tesla says that this truck, which will probably be a good selling point in some places, uh, is bulletproof, up to a 9-millimeter shell. So um, to prove how hard the windows were, they took, I guess, a hardball, a baseball, and they threw it at the window, and the window broke. Now, I think that's what's actually supposed to happen when you're... Um, you know, you're, you shoot at a bulletproof glass. It's not that the bullets bounce off like Superman. They, um, you know, just like a, a mark and a crack or, uh, you know, some kind of physical thing. So when they threw the ball at it, it broke the window. That didn't shatter it. It just broke it. And that's the big talk now is that if Tesla embarrassed themselves, I think they're probably going to wind up selling either none of these or a ton of them because they are durable. They look to be durable. We'll see what happens as time rolls on. Uh, the uh, Our number four is General Motors and FCA. These two car companies are suing each other because uh, General Motors is alleging that FCA paid off a union to uh, settle their strike. Imagine, imagine that. Corruption in a union. Oh, Lord. How could that possibly be? You kidding me or what? And finally... Uh, for our friends in Washington State, there is a, uh, a growing string of collisions in uh, work zones. It seems that uh, a, there's been a recent string of crashes and injuries. Uh, it started uh, just before Halloween. It is now up to um, four crashes and several injuries this last month. And which really made people upset because it was during National Traffic Incident Response Awareness Week, which was designed to raise awareness about the dangers uh, that people who are out there helping you responding to accidents and responding to um, incidents and sounds like a Paul Simon song. The incidents, accidents. That was the yeah, it was Paul Simon. Um, you can call me out. <laughs> Don't mind me. I tell you, I go off on tangents sometimes. Anyway, uh, please, 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 this is the time of year where uh, people need to be extra careful. There's a lot of people on the road, a lot of inexperienced drivers on the road. Uh, please, please pay attention. Uh, check out the WASDOT uh, website. They also have a great uh, um, time schedule that it will uh, click on it, tell them where you're going. And they'll tell you how long it'll take you to get there so you can figure out when to leave, when's the optimum time to leave. And that's at uh, the Washington State Department of Transportation, the WASDOT site. So lots of stuff there. And again, please be careful of the people who are out on the roads working. And please be careful of the people who are out there driving those response tow trucks and response pickup trucks. They're out there trying to help you. Please uh, pay attention Slow down in the safety zones. The most important thing is move over to whatever lane. If they're stopped in the right on the shoulder, move over to the left lane. Give them lots of room, man. Give them as much room as they need. Obviously, if they're stopped in the left shoulder, move over to the right. But give them and police officers and people who are working on the sides of the road a chance to uh, do their work and not be intimidated by and, and have to worry about cars coming by and clipping them. So that's our top five for today. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up, 
We will head down to the Los Angeles Auto Show with, uh, or now call for the Press Automobility with Jamie Page Deaton of U.S. News and World Report. I'm New York Vinny. This is Drive Time Radio on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. No matter how you say it, cruce con la verde, en el medio pierde. It always means the same thing. Atravesate soltanto al segnale verde, mai nel mezzo della strada. Cross at the green, not in between. Que tariba de gas norden wenn es green, nicht erges zwischen den mitten vom block. It means cross at the corner, never in the middle of the block. Don't walk until the light turns green. Always cross at corners where motorists expect you and where you can see them. Cross at the green, not in between. In any language, it's a way of life. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Use your eyes to look up. Use your ears to hear. Walk up to the corner when the coast is clear. And wait, and wait until you see the light turn green. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk 1150. You're listening to Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Welcome back to Drive Time here on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. New York Vinny hanging out with you on a Saturday morning before Thanksgiving. Hope you all have a happy uh, and healthy and safe Thanksgiving don't forget, we'll uh, talk about the BMW, uh, the 8, M850i convertible coming up uh, a little later. We will take the road test in that this week. Problem is getting me out of that car is the problem. All right, we get a chance now to welcome in uh, somebody new we've never talked to on the show before. But uh, from what I hear from people that know her, she is the best at what she does. And that's what we try to do, get the best people at what they do to jump on with us and uh, talk to us a little bit about their uh experiences and cars and so on and so forth. Jamie Page Deaton is the executive editor of the U.S. News Best Cars team, and she's also a juror for NACTOY, which is the North American Car Utility and Truck of the Year Awards, and she joins us now. Jamie, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for jumping on. I appreciate you taking the time on a Saturday morning. Um, how, no how, are you, now, are you still in L.A.? or? No, I got back from L.A. on Thursday. So it's a, it a quick hit auto show for me, but you know, LA is always a good one. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second before we get into some specific cars. You know, a lot of people, and I don't know if it's just the media or it's uh, regular people say, well, you know, the auto shows that they're dying and not doing so well. Uh, you know, uh, press isn't coming, manufacturers aren't participating. Uh, I know that Volvo was the only one that didn't down in LA. I, from what I saw in LA, it looked pretty healthy to me. 
Yeah, it was a pretty healthy show. And like you said, you know, the major manufacturers were there with the exception of Volvo. Um, There were some Chinese manufacturers there and some, you know, some of the new kids in town like Bollinger Motors with their new big, you know, electric SUV that they've been showing for a couple of years. Um, You know, Karma was there. There were some Chinese automakers there. And L.A. is one of those shows, you know, every show, at least every major show, has its own kind of flavor. You know, Detroit is the big American show. Chicago is where you go if you want to introduce, you know, big muscle um, if you're looking at, you know, New York, you're talking about kind of European luxury. And then L.A. is really interesting because it does both kind of high-tech, you know, mobility and, you know, green car kind of stuff. But then they also do some serious performance debuts um, there. So it's really kind of, I think it's a great show because it's always got a lot of real flashy uh, designs and debuts happening there. And, you know, it's, you know, people say the auto show is dying, and there's, there's a lot of evidence to back that up. Um, but I think they're still a great time and, you know, one of the best tools that the industry has to, to, you know, bring their products to the consumers. And where else would we network, right? I mean, if we weren't at the auto shows, we wouldn't get all that great auto show food. Yeah, where else would we get free shrimp cocktail? I certainly, you know, I'm glad to see auto season kick off so I can start on my shrimp cocktail diet for the next couple months. There you go. That's that's good stuff. Jenny Page Deaton is with us from U.S. News and World Report. She is the executive editor of the U.S. News Best Cars team. All right, let's talk about some of the cars. I guess, well, you know, it was funny because the Mustang seemed to be what everybody was talking about until Tesla rolled that thing out. And after people realized it wasn't a joke, that seems to be now what the people were talking about. But let's start with the Mustang. Is it blasphemous to have the name Mustang on that car? I think it depends on who you ask. I mean, if you're a real, a lot of the real Mustang purists, I mean, they hate that it's got Mustang on there and that it's got, you know, I don't think they really care about the powertrain. They care that, you know, it's got four doors and is, is a crossover. Um, but, you know, for the people who aren't Mustang purists and probably the people at Ford, this is a great opportunity to draw more people into the brand and into the Mustang family. And, you know, every family's got to have a little bit of a black sheep. And so the Mustang Mach-E, yeah, that can be the black sheep. But if it gets more people into the nameplate, you know, I really don't think that Ford cares one way or the other. And it's it's probably, I, I mean, I would say from what I've seen of it, that it would be probably the car that could go up against Tesla uh, right now uh, better than almost anybody else out there, American brand out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, aside, if you can take the fact that it's a Mustang away from the Mach-E um, and just evaluate it as a, you know, an EV or even just a car, it is amazing. It's incredible. It's got plenty of, you know, practicality. You've got cargo space, you've got passenger space, um, you know, and you've got this electric, this electric powertrain. Um, and so it's, you know, it's got the best of kind of performance, you know, state-of-the-art performance in the industry now, because with the electric powertrain, you know, you've got all that torque directly on demand. You're going to eat up, you know, zero to 60 times. They're so well-balanced. Um, the handling is, is incredible. And so this is one of those ones where, you know, yeah, it's, it's a Mustang, but when you're talking about state-of-the-art and where the industry is going in terms of performance, um, this is right on the leading edge of it. And when you're talking about going up against Tesla, I mean, this is an electric car that's built by an actual car company that doesn't have the production woes that Tesla has. Um, and so if you're looking for an EV, it's an excellent option. Is the Chevy Bolt lost in all of this? or? Yes, it is. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, with, with EVs right now, the way that a lot of car companies are trying to get consumers in is with kind of the flashy high-end performance. That's why you have the Taycan. That's where the Mach-E is coming from. And the Bolt really just kind of got lost in the shuffle. 
And so, um, you know, it's not really a performance car. It's a commuter car. It's one that's more about efficiency than it is about tearing up the track. And same with, you know, the Kona EV, and Mini's got an electric car coming out next year, too. These are all great electric cars, but they're a different breed than what you're talking about when you're talking about, you know, a Taycan or a Mach-E or a Tesla. Right. And for people, and I know in Seattle, of course, we have a lot of people that are interested in into electric cars and alternative fuel cars. Um, they're really the, the performance end now, I think, is, is what's going to probably uh, bring confidence into people to buy these cars, even, even the not performance, you know, even just the regular commuter cars, it's much like racing. If you can go fast, people look at your car and they'll say, okay, if you can go long, if you can endure like in a Baja or a Pikes mm-hmm. Peak or something like that, people look at your car and say, okay, that's a car that I can buy because it does well in endurance tests and it goes fast. This probably opens the door, I think, for those commuter cars much more. Oh, yeah. And I think, too, there's also the aspect of making it more usable. Because, you know, if you look at the early generation, you know, like the Nissan Leafs and things, those did not drive like a a gas engine car did. And so for somebody coming over, that was a big shift in having to, you know, not quite having to relearn everything about having to drive, but you certainly had to adjust your expectations and adjust how you were handling things. Now, though, if you look at these EVs, you know, you look at the Kona or even, you know, the Audi e-tron is one we haven't talked about yet, and that's a great electric crossover um, that has excellent performance, excellent, you know, excellent practicality as well. You could, you know, it's, it's the kind of car where I could put my mom behind the wheel and she wouldn't really notice that it was electric, except that it's quiet. And so as automakers make these, you know, more usable and kind of bring consumers along, because consumers, they don't want to learn how to drive again. They just want to know, am I going to have, you know, enough range to get where I need to go? Am I going to, you know, is this going to feel like a car to me? That's what's also going to help make these a little bit more popular. And, you know, the fact, again, that electric cars, when it comes to performance, I mean, even though, you know, a Hyundai Kona EV isn't exactly a performance car, you know, pulling away from a stoplight in one of those is still a heck of a lot of fun. So it's one of those things, too, where that's just the icing on the cake. And and the Audi, uh, you know, the Audi e-tron, which I loved. I was at the reveal for that down in San Francisco, as was everybody else in the United States and 27 countries. Um, now with an S model, again, you get that sporty SUV that has the range and probably the, the Audi luxury to it. Uh, I, I think it's a great thing for people that want to look at alternative fuels. Toyota brought out a, a hydrogen car. It's the second generation of uh, of their hydrogen car. Uh, what do you think of that? You know, hydrogen cars, I think, you know, the Mirai is interesting, and Toyota made a lot of updates, you know, to the exterior and the interior to bring this model along. But the infrastructure is just not there. You know, try and find a hydrogen fueling station, you know, outside of California and even inside of California. They're really, really tough to come by. And so, you know, when you're talking, like, I think it's a great technology, um, but I think it's going to be a lot harder for consumers to adopt because, you know, if you're talking about EVs, yeah, you have to build a lot of charging stations, but at least there's already an electrical grid in place. When you're talking about hydrogen stations, well, you're just going to have to build a lot more of those. Um, and so that's really holding back widespread adoption. And I think you can kind of tell that because Toyota is really the only automaker pushing it. Right, right. What else impressed you down there? Well, I absolutely loved uh, the new Aston Martin DBX. I thought it was gorgeous. I love the amount of power. And I think, you know, Aston Martin isn't exactly known for SUVs. But um, I think, you know, if they're going to have to make one, which every automaker does these days, 
um, that is one that's excellent to have. I love the updates on the Genesis G90 as well. Genesis is one of those car companies where if you're looking for a luxury car, but you want to fly a little bit under the radar, Genesis is an excellent choice there because, um, you know, it doesn't scream. You know, it's not flashy. It's not look at me and all my money. It's just quiet luxury um, for a lot less money than you're going to pay for, you know, an S-Class or, or, you know, something like that. Um, But will people do that, though? Because I was a big fan of the K900, the Kia K900, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of big, like the big Genesis. And I thought that was the world's cheapest $90,000 car because you could buy it for sixty six grand when it first came out and had everything a BMW did except the name badge. Yeah, and that's the same thing with, you know, the Genesis. I will say the Genesis is, um, all of the Genesis models are a lot nicer than the K900. They really did their homework on this. What's holding Genesis back, though, though, is they only make cars, and right now people are really buying SUVs. And so until they get an SUV model out there, it's going to be really hard for them to do a lot of conquest sales. Um, but again, like if you want to be smart with your money, but you still want your car to really coddle you, you should be looking at a Genesis. Um, I also absolutely loved, I would say my best in show is the Lexus LC 500 convertible because the LC coupe is gorgeous. Um, but you know, it kind of had a finicky infotainment system. And you know, when the top's down, you're not going to notice that. So that was one I think it's a gorgeous car, very smart move by Lexus to bring it out. Um, you know, it's got good performance. And so really can't wait to get behind the wheel of that one on a nice summer day. I tried to get uh, Toyota Lexus to let me drive one across country when I come out. and No dice. I got a nice Camry from them, but <laughs> they weren't they weren't coming up with that. Um, the only, well, I guess there were some manufacturers, but uh, the only manufacturer I saw that really was showing off a, a, a new car was Nissan. Yeah, and you kind of have to wonder, you know, why. Uh, because, you know, consumers really aren't going for those small cars anymore. But, you know, Nissan showed a new Sentra, um, and the changes that they were making to it, you know, brings it up to the level of a Civic or a, or a Corolla, which is good, so it makes it a little bit more competitive. But, you know, that really is, you know, a shrinking segment. That's a segment that the American automakers have abandoned. And so you're really talking about, you know, you've got the Korean and the Japanese automakers there uh, making a play for it. Now, I will say, like, you know, these cars that are in that small small car segment, they really are very good. I mean, the Civic and the Corolla are great. I haven't been behind the wheel of the new Sentra, but, you know, by all accounts on paper, it looks like it could compete. They added a bunch of new safety features, which interestingly, you know, you've got to pay all this extra money if you're buying a luxury car for the active safety features, but you go and you buy, you know, a you know, a $17,000 compact car and boom, they're throwing them in for free. But, you know, that's the way the world works. And so this new Sentra there, I think, you know, it's a good shot for Nissan. Um, but given that they've had so much of their sales success coming from, you know, the Rogue and the Murano, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how consumers react to it. Uh, what's going to happen with, um, with with cars? I mean, uh, I, I always think there's going to be a place for them, but are we going to go to an all SUV society? You know, I hope not. I really, I really mm. like cars. I mean, every time that you know I, that I get a that I get a test car that's a true car. Um, you know, you, you start thinking about like, wow, these really still do make a lot of sense. I think eventually there'll be, you know, a little bit of a backlash against SUVs. I know that um, Honda did some surveys uh, a couple of months ago, and they really found in their market research, and this was also from, you know, the Cox Automotive Group found this as well, that when you're talking about kind of Gen Z, so these people that are younger than the millennials, they are really very anti-SUV. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is they can't afford them. 
But two is, you know, they, they're very cognizant of the impact, the environmental impact of it, that SUVs have had. Now, today's SUVs are way more efficient um, and have a lower carbon footprint than, you know, the SUVs that, you know, came before. But, um, you know, they're still not as light on the environment as, as these smaller cars are. Um, and so when you put, put those two things together, I think there's a real shot that there will be a little bit of a backlash coming up against SUVs. It's just going to take probably another 15 to 20 years. You know, or, or gas to shoot up to uh, six or seven dollars a gallon well, is uh, sometimes yeah, you think it might. Too. Yeah, it's yeah, always the economic factor in there. Yeah, um, the Jamie Page Deaton so is with long. us. Uh, spent a few minutes with us from the uh, U.S. News and World Report Best Cars team. She's the executive editor. All right, let's talk to Tesla. What what about that thing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I, I my mom taught me to if I can't say anything nice, not to say anything at all. But I will say, I love that the tailgate folds down into a ramp. I can't believe nobody's thought of that before. I mean, if you're loading or unloading stuff, I think that's an excellent idea. Uh, the rest of it, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say it was a pretty huge flop. I don't know if you checked, but Tesla stock's down 6%. Um, so, you know, the, the, the analysts within the industry really didn't like it. The, the uh, rollout didn't go very well. It's hard to really think about, you know, who the market for this truck is because, you know, there's not really a lot in it to appeal to traditional truck buyers. Um, and then when you're also thinking about what really drives truck sales, and that's fleet sales. I really can't see a lot of, you know, landscaping companies, you know, construction companies, you know, putting in a lot of big orders for this Tesla truck. So, I mean, Tesla, I think, you know, it, it's, you, you can't argue with the fact that Tesla has had a lot of success and made a lot of incredible cars. This truck appears to be a misstep for them. Now, there was an honest rendering of a small Tesla truck that looked kind of like a, almost a Tesla El Camino, or a, for those of you who remember the uh, the little Volkswagen Rabbit pickup or something along those lines, where I think the biggest hole in the pickup truck market really is is for that small car-like pickup that people can, you know, that people can jump in, go to Home Depot, go to Costco, go wherever they got to go, or, or they got to bring something tall or load the equipment, almost like a Subaru Brat. Is, is there anything like that that anybody's talking about or on the horizon? Yeah, Hyundai's got one coming up. I think that it's going to be at the New York Auto Show, um, but they de- debuted one a couple years ago at the New York Auto Show. I want to say it was in like 2016, something like that. Um, but I think they're bringing it out for 20 or 2020 or 2021, where it's exactly what you're talking about. It's essentially a little El Camino thing. And that's one that I think would be pretty interesting, too. You know, why Tesla didn't go in that direction, you know, is, is you know, for their for their company to decide. But, you know, when you talk about a car company that's really been in the business for a long time and you see Hyundai going in that direction, you know that they've put a lot of thought and a lot of research into it. So I think there's a little bit more potential there. I'm with you. I think that, that there's a hole in the market, and if it, it's those kind of car-based trucks. Now, Jamie, I know that the um, North American Car and Truck uh, Utility Vehicle of the Year Award nominees came out this week. You're a voter on that. You uh, uh, Clue me in. Who, who gets to vote on that, and, and um, why is, are those awards so important? So this jury is made up of about 50 automotive journalists, um, and these are people who have been in the industry for a really long time, have a really long track record. Um, there's a pretty tough selection process. Um, I didn't even bother applying to be on the jury until I'd been in the industry, you know, for 10 years and had a, a big body of work to back up the application. Um, and so these are really, you know, it's, it's supposed to be kind of the best automotive journalists, the people who kind of know the most, um, voting on the best new or significantly redesigned cars um, on the market. And this year, 
you know, the competition in the utility category, so your SUVs, that was really, really tough. Um, and so they announced the finalists, and the finalists for the SUVs were the Hyundai Palisade, the Kia Telluride, um, and the Lincoln Aviator. Um, and there were so many other good entries in that category that narrowing it down to three, um, I think, was really, really tough. In the car category, the finalists were the um, the Chevy Corvette, the Hyundai Sonata, um, and, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting the last one. But that kind of tells you that, oh, it was a Toyota Supra. But the car category, it was kind of, um, so far at least, you know, with, for my testing, so far it's been the Corvette and everybody else. It's really kind of hard to see, you know, what else is out there. You know, there was a new um, Volvo Wagon. There was a new Cadillac. There's a new 3 Series. All, all a lot of really great cars, but none of them were really pushing the envelope and driving the, um, you know, the industry farther, like the Corvette has been doing, like right. the Supra and like the Sonata have done. And then in the truck category, the finalists, um, were the Ram Heavy Duty, the Ford Ranger, and the Jeep Gladiator. Um, so, again, no surprises there. Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see because the Ram Heavy Duty is so very, very good. The Ford Rangers in that, you know, great mid-sized truck category. And then the Jeep Gladiator, I mean, that's just more of a state of mind than a truck. Um, so it'll be yeah, that's, a, that's that a, a, a whole culture. I mean, I, I drove that thing, and, and it was really people would just stop and talk to you and look at it and start telling you their father's Jeep story. Yeah, I mean it's it's a whole it's a whole culture, like you said, it's almost a religion, um, and it's one of those where you know you're driving it and you just feel so gosh darn good. And I mean to have a truck where you can you know take the roof off. You know, I used to live in in rural New Hampshire where we had to drive our truck or our drive our trash to the dump, and so we had a truck to do it. Um, and we always wanted a convertible, and this you know this Gladiator is great because you have both a convertible and a truck. You know, two cars in one. Um, plus it's a Wrangler, which, again, you know, you, it's really hard to beat the feeling that you get when you're driving a Wrangler. I wouldn't want to drive one cross-country, but <laughs> we're just, you know, tooling around town on, yeah, on a nice No, a little, little too snow. bouncy, a little too high to, to be driving across country. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a great a truck, loud. and uh, I do this thing every year we do. It's not, you know, nothing like the knack toy there, but I do the uh, five cars that you didn't want to give back, and uh, that's definitely on the list. Oh, yeah, that's one of those where, you know, the, the fleet came to pick it up for me, and I was kind of like, do I fight them for it? Do I hide it? What can I do to keep this car? <laughs> and you can't buy one. I mean, it's tough to even go. If you go to this, this is such short supply until they, you know, kind of get things going, if you want to buy one, you probably got to go pay a, pay a dealer a ton of money to get one. No, oh, yeah. I mean, the dealers, you know, they're just responding to the market. If people are willing to pay over sticker for it, well, then they can charge over sticker for it. But, yeah, it's one of those, you know, in a couple of years it'll calm down, um, and they'll be, you know, they'll, the prices will settle down a little bit, and you'll, you know, still get a great truck and that Wrangler feeling. Well, if you pay $900 to see Springsteen on Broadway, why wouldn't you pay $70,000 for a $50,000 pickup? Yeah, and, hey, you know what, if it makes you feel good, then hey, that I guess that twenty extra twenty thousand is worth it to you. But um, you know, as for me, I'll wait till the prices calm down a little bit. Yeah, it was the best nine hundred I think I ever spent. But I know what you mean, <laughs> Jamie. Thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime. I uh, really appreciate uh, your time. And if people want to see what you write, where can they find you? You need to go to cars.usnews.com and look at our entire car ranking site, and you'll be able to see what uh, you know the automotive press thinks of all the new cars out there. Excellent. Jamie, fun talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a happy Thanksgiving. All right. Thank you so much. You too.
All right, thanks. Jamie Page Deaton from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, and, of course, you can go to her site and look at what they write. They also rank uh, cars, uh, best cars for family, best vehicle brands, uh, best cars for the money, all of that kind of stuff that they, um, you know, that they put together and uh, put right out there for you to see so that you can, uh, when you go to buy a car, not just listen to my review of it, uh, but look at what uh, a number of different people write about the car. All right, it's Drive Time Radio. I'm New York, Vinny. We're having fun here at the massive uh, studios. I like to call it Studio uh, B for <laughs> on the B floor. Uh, we'll come back. we got a, a, the review of the BMW coming up for you and some holiday cheer all coming up here on Drive Time Radio. I'm New York, Vinny. This is Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. The National Safety Council says seatbelts can and do save lives every day. Buckle up for safety, everybody. Buckle up! Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. And it's Drive Time Radio here on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. A little Johnny Cash to get us into it. One of the things we're going to do in the show as we uh, roll on, as we move on, is we're going to have our car song of the week. And uh, we, you know, coming back, we'll play a little bit of, uh, I mean, it's just so many great songs that were written about cars, about driving, um, you know, from not just from rock and roll, but country music. Uh, that Johnny Cash song about the General Lee, uh, which is one of the most famous uh, cars out there. So we'll we'll get into that as time goes on. We'll post our our list, our top ten list of uh, of great car songs. And you know, as we get as we move on, we'll also start to take phone calls from people, and uh, we'll get your cars if you want to. We'll get your car song in there. If you want to, uh, you can always email me with your favorite or if you have a question or a comment about the show or anything else that uh, you want to get in contact with me about. Somebody even contacted me. I, I got a gig playing a Santa at a Christmas party uh, in December, which, I, you know, I'm all, you know, I'm growing the beard, you know, getting a little hairs in there. And uh, on the 15th, I'm going to be a Santa at a Christmas party. So if you need a Santa... <laughs> Call me, email me, who knows? You could have New York Vinny, Santa Vinny at your party. Uh, speaking about Santa Vinny, he will be here in December and giving you uh, some cool things to, uh, to enjoy. we got some prizes lined up for you uh, for giveaways for December. So don't forget to tell your friends, uh, go online. And don't forget we're now on uh, podcasts too as well, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those different podcast uh things you can just download the show and uh i don't know listen to me while you're in the shower well maybe not while you're in the shower maybe while you're having well maybe not while you're having breakfast either all right time now for our drive time road test 
The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ah, nothing ugly about this week's uh, Drive Time Road Test. This is nothing but beauty and performance and speed and luxury. It's the BMW Luxury Cruiser, the M850i X-Drive Convertible. Oh, man, what a car this is. Uh, (laughs) You look at it, and you you sit there and you admire it. If it's sitting in the parking lot, sitting in your garage, uh, you walk around it, it introduces itself with that larger-than-life kidney grill, and then you have uh, flanked by slits that hold adaptive LED headlights, that are beautiful. The front of this car is, is gorgeous. It makes a statement about you. It makes a statement about what you're driving. It makes a statement to everybody. It's definitely a look-at-me car. I mean, it's really a look-at-me kind of car. If you buy one of these, people are going to look at you and admire your car and probably think you have taste, which, uh, you know, when I was driving, it was pretty fun. Uh, the headlight openings lead you right back to muscular fenders and then a side that's been concavely sculpted you go back to the rear wheel well and then you're uh, muscled up again as you go to the rear of the car it almost gives you that feeling of a wild panther or cheetah ready to uh, spring you know if you watch you used to watch wild kingdom how the cheetah used to get and then when it, it would see its prey it would just spring well that was that's the bmw inside Uh, The usual BMW niceness is everywhere from seat materials that coddle you like, oh, man, like butter on corn. It's so beautiful. Uh, They're really fine. They're soft. They look good. They're wonderful to the touch. They uh, heat, cool, move up and down. Lots of comfort, lots of space for the front passengers to stretch out in this car. I don't know how many friends I would put in the back seat, though, for a long distance, as the thrill of riding in the back seat of this masterpiece will give way to cramped legs and complaints before long. It's a two plus two, really, um, but not a lot. It's more like a, a two plus uh, one and a half. You got kids, though. It's a thrill ride for them. Now, the top is an easy endeavor and goes up or down in about 15 seconds, and it does that up until you get to about 35 miles per hour, which is great for those times where the only parking space that you can find is across the street where, of course, it's raining. Now, this baby is a speedster. As soon as you hit the open road and you hit the gas, the 850 hits you right back into the seat. Twin-turbo V8 uses 523 horsepower, 553 pound-feet of torque, delivered through an 8-speed ZF tranny automatic that gets you from 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds. I can't do anything in 3.5 seconds, and this car gets you from 0 to 60. Several adjustable drive modes let you go from custom cruiser to track mode in a twist of a dial. Steering and handling go from solid to spectacular, but never ever disappointing even in economy mode the ma50 hugs the road like a pair of skinny jeans would hug me very tight i also have to mention the exhaust note because it's off the charts good hit the gas and you get that old-time v8 rumble then throaty groan savor that flavor kids because your new electric porsches are going to sound anything like that unless you buy sound effects how much you ask Well, as the man said, if you got to ask, 
<laughs> you can't afford it. $131,395 as tested with the driver assistant pro package, which backs the car up for you. That's right. Now we're getting so lazy in life that we don't. Now we just push a button and the car backs up itself. But hey, if it saves a couple of lives from people getting run over, it's probably worth it. Uh, the MA50i X Drive is EPA rated at 17 City, 26 Highway, if you can keep your foot out of the floor. Look, you get to a certain place in life, you want nicer things. A Rolex instead of a Boulevard, the Hunt Club instead of Dick's. Although, I don't care how much money I have, I'm still going to be lining up at Dick's for a hamburger at 1 in the morning on 45th Street. The Diamond Club instead of the Bleachers and an aisle seat on Alaska Air. That's what the M50 is. It's a rolling therapy session for those who have made it. It's hard to feel anything but good when you're driving this car. And maybe something to aspire to for those of us who just get to peak on a regular basis. That is the Drive Time Road Test. I'm New York Vinny. We'll take a quick break here and come back with a couple of final thoughts as we work our way through the uh, Saturday before Thanksgiving here on Drive Time Radio Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW. If you're searching for that perfect gift for the college-bound kid in your life, the Car Care Council suggests putting together a roadside emergency kit. An inexpensive roadside kit is easy to assemble and could be extremely useful, maybe even a lifesaver in the event of an emergency. Of course, it's always a good idea to be prepared for the unexpected while on the road, but the best option is to avoid breakdowns and car trouble wherever possible. Performing basic maintenance and observing a regular service schedule can help avoid unforeseen road emergencies. Roadside emergency items can fit into a small duffel bag or rubber storage tote and include the following. Jumper cables, emergency flares, flashlight and batteries, blankets and extra clothes non-perishable snacks and bottled water, first aid kit, including essential medications, portable USB charger to keep the cell phone running even if the car isn't, ice scraper, snow brush, and small shovel for winter driving. And finally, keep a copy of the Car Care Guide available free of charge at carcare.org. Visit the Car Care Council's website to access a number of tips and resources for vehicle maintenance, including a free custom service schedule. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. Good old dancing in the studio here. Little Rolls Royce car wash. What a great movie. You know, it's been a while since I've seen it, um, seen car wash, so I'm going to have to uh, either seek it out. I, You know, for some reason I thought I had it on DVD, but uh, all my stuff is packed up and getting ready to be transported back to uh, Seattle. Um, as a matter of fact, this will be the last show that I do here in Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, is, uh, we'll get ready to, uh, to head back uh, physically to Seattle. We've been doing the show from here on the road the last uh, few weeks. Drive Time Radio, I'm New York Vinny. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our show. Uh, I just want to take a, a couple of minutes uh, to talk about, I've got a chance to um, go out and see Ford versus Ferrari this uh, past week, 
Uh, we made a nice the guys at the coffee shop. If you've been listening to me for a long time, you know that my uh, citizens advisory board are a bunch of people uh, who I hang out with in the mornings at uh, the coffee tree, the coffee shop, which is uh, right up the block. George Jackson, Al Scheimer, uh, Dave, uh, the professor, I like to call because <laughs> he knows he's like uh he knows everything about it, a little bit of everything about everything. And you know what? He's right when he knows. He's not like one of these guys that say, yeah, I know it, but, uh, you know, he knows what he's talking about. And, and a whole bunch of uh, Lee Heckman and a whole bunch of people that uh, have grown near and dear to me in the time uh, that I have been here in Pittsburgh. And it'll, it'll be tough to uh, say goodbye to them. Uh, but we went to see Ford versus Ferrari. And whether you are an auto fan, a car fan or not, uh, this was a great movie. Uh, The acting in it was uh, spectacular. The race scenes are among some of the best I've ever seen. You could almost see, uh, it almost felt like Steve McQueen was in there driving one of the cars. It was really uh, an excellent excellent movie. Uh, the, The story was compelling on a number of different levels. And, you know, it was funny, last week we spoke to Mose Nolan, who was one of the mechanics that worked on uh, those GT40 engines, and it was um, tough talking to him not to give away part of the movie, the part that I still am not going to give away because maybe many of you have not seen it yet. Uh, But it was a great movie, and it had enough plot twists in it and enough things that happened in the real-life story for those who knew what happened or have seen the movie to be able to uh, to, to be interesting not only to um, guys uh, and car freaks, but to people in general. Uh, and again, just a great acting performance, a great movie, and if you're looking for something to do over um, this uh, holiday weekend, uh, you want to get out of the house, uh, you want to take the, you know, take the the wife or the girlfriend or the husband or whatever to a movie. This would be. I know there's a lot of good stuff out there, but it's a little bit of history, and it is a little bit of um, of of uh, space race stuff. You know, uh, in, in that time period of our lives, in the '60s. You know, America was coming off of World War II, obviously, in the late in the 40s and going through the 50s where we were being pro- prosperous. But there was a lot of new science, a lot of new things coming down the pike. And for, you know, but yet in automobiles and racing and so forth, so, you know, we had these big honking big cars, NASCAR cars, and they were all good and great and gas was cheap. But everybody kind of knew that there was something else on the horizon. And Ford, um, partially, I guess, because they were upset about uh, Ferrari's, uh, you know, screwing them out of of buying them. Uh, But also, uh, there was a race on. I think Ford engineers and Ford people knew that we had to get better as a country with smaller cars because that's where the whole thing was going. And... The GT40 knocking off Ferrari like it did in those years in the late 60s. It was something for America to be proud of in a time where there wasn't all that much to be proud of. I mean, we had this, you know, you had war going on. You had 
uh, civil unrest in the streets, uh, people protesting. Uh, you, you had all of this stuff going on in the late 60s, but you could always, you know, it was like baseball in a way. It was like something that older people and younger people could come together and talk about and enjoy. And in Ford being involved, and it also gave uh, America an in in a um, in, in a segment that had been dominated by European cars. So it really had that whole space race feel to it. And uh, you get up and, and uh, you cheer about the part of the story that you know. And I think you'll, uh, when you see the part of the story that you don't know, you'll also feel, uh, you know, feel some uh, emotion as well. So it hits you on both of those levels. But I highly recommend that you uh, go see that movie. Uh, I also want to circle back to something else that I started talking about, that I talked about in the top five. Uh, we tried to get a representative from uh, the Department of Transportation to jump on with us, but I was unsuccessful in uh, doing that. But again, please remember that uh, you know the workers that are out there on the highways uh, um, are there to help you. And the last thing you want to do is uh, be one of those people uh, that are seen, uh, you know, that Steve Rabel is on uh, Cairo 7 talking about uh, getting arrested and putting handcuffs at the scene of an accident because they hit somebody, uh, a worker. And the last thing you want to do is have that on your conscience. So please give them space, move over, let them do their work. If you see a tow truck or you see a, a, a one of those pickups, those uh, motorist assist, assist trucks, like uh, Charlie Fiano used to drive at uh, at Cairo when they had the highway helper on the road, um, move over, give them room, and let them uh, let them also go home and enjoy uh, the holidays with their families because uh, that's something that uh, as a driver, as a responsible person, please. Uh, don't do that. And the same thing goes for uh, drinking and driving as well. Please uh, don't do that. I think that's the best way I can say it to you is just don't do it. I mean, I can give you all the platitude, all this and all that, but the reality is please don't do it. All right, next week we're only going to have a short show. I'll be on the road, but I'll be coming to you from somewhere in America. I'm thinking maybe Graceland at Christmas, uh, but somewhere out on the road is where I will be for next week's show, and then we will uh, resume our one-hour shows uh, the week after that. Uh, UW Women's Basketball will start um, in, uh, next week. Well, not start, but it will be in our place at 8.30, so we will be just before that. Thank you all so much for listening to the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Again, you can contact me at Vinny at drivetime-radio.com. Pick up the podcast and listen to it and rate it. Uh, to all of you, have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Don't fight with your family members. Be nice, okay? And we will see you next week at 8 o'clock if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise right here on Drive Time Radio. Take care.